This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors, the podcast which reveals everything you need to know about interiors and how to make it all really work for you in your own home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And we'd just like to say a huge thank you to John Lewis and Partners for sponsoring this podcast. Now, as the nights are drawing in and there's a definite chill in the air, it's time to think about getting cosy for winter. Did you know their wonderfully cosy and luxe natural collection bedding range is handmade by their expert partners at Herbert Parkinson, their textiles factory in Lancashire? Sounds perfect for those cold winter nights. Quite fancy a nap now, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Topical. Yes, it is very topical because today we are bringing you our winter hibernating special. Oh, I feel like I need a drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) This is really to mark the yearly confusion and disorientation that goes with the ritual of the clocks changing. I blimmin' hate disorientating. I know it's only an hour, but I mean, I eat a lot more on that day because I constantly (laughs) think it's a meal time. (laughs) But I, I suppose it's a bit like jet lag. I mean, you kind of think it won't make a difference, but somehow it does. The whole day is off. Yeah, and, and some of the next one as well. I was going to say, in the day after that, and the day after yeah. that, takes I feel completely discombobulated. You're supposed to do that thing, aren't you? Where you, or you do with children, where you make them go to bed either five minutes earlier yes. or five minutes yes. later every night for a week, and then they'll be fine. And because it's five minutes, you don't notice it. Well, every think, year I'll say I do it, never do it. Well, this is it, and I think this is why I get so cross because as the mother of an eight-year-old, it's really irritating. Yeah. It's hard enough to get them into bed at the right time and up at the right time as it is. Anyway, rant over. We're not here <laughs> to lobby about not changing clocks. We're here to... what? What's first up? We're going to talk about... What's our first topic sleeping. for a hibernate? Oh, sleeping. Oh, it's very important at this time of year. Oh also, because it's hard to get around. out of bed in the morning, isn't it? Because it's dark. It is. I love sleep, yeah. but we are in a bit of a sleep crisis. Are we? Yes. I've got statistics. Oh, gosh. Okay, so warning, listeners, this... I've got a feeling... Is going to be a very stat-heavy part of the podcast, I isn't like it? it? I like Have a you? fact. I can see she's got a very heavy notebook on her knees. Yes. And some printouts. Do you want my fact? <laughs> I feel now that my fact can only be less interesting. I'm going with it. In 1942, we had an average of 7.9 hours sleep a night, according to a Gallup poll. Right? Mm-hmm. By 2013... It's gone down to 6.9 hours. Oh, that's not enough. And in 2016, the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention weighed in on the act and said that a third of adults do not get the required seven hours sleep a night. 
Ooh, and I'm imagining this has an impact on our mental and physical health, does it? This well, exactly, and people, but it's, I think it's a vicious circle because the less you sleep, the more anxious you feel, and yet people can't sleep because they're anxious mm. and they've got, you know, also social media is a huge problem. Well, Screens in the bedroom. It's the blue light that suppresses melatonin, which is mm. the sleep hormone. But I, I just think- put mine face down. I mean, it is in the bedroom, but I put it... Face yeah, but down. I think a lot of people are scrolling Instagram or my husband's on YouTube till he is a terrible, terrible sleeper. He will not be told any advice on how to sleep. He says the only way he can get to sleep is by watching YouTube videos until his eyes are so heavy they no longer open. And quite often I'll wake up in the night and the room's blue and he's asleep and the YouTube videos are still playing. But I find that making your eyes go heavy thing for me really works, which is why I have to read Every night before I go to bed, I read a book. That's and your ritual. That's my ritual. And sometimes I might read five pages in a night and the next night I might have to reread four of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes my eyes heavy. Do you know, My going to bed ritual is um, head plus pillow. You know, I've never really had to worry about my sleep. I get a good solid eight hours, no problem. Nine if I could squeeze it in of a weekend. Really? Oh, God, yeah, I love it. I mean, I find honestly, it takes my my ritual for pre-sleeping is probably why I sleep really well because the ritual gets longer and longer. And you've got to take all the clobber off your face. Right. There's three different sorts of moisturiser. <laughs> you've got to floss. You've got to clean your teeth. And then I've got to read for 20 minutes. Oh, I mean, gosh, I have to yeah, start earlier the... and earlier. If I want to get those seven hours in, you know, it, it takes quite a long time. But more facts for bedrooms. And this might work for you, actually. They did, in America, a study of 2,000 people and they found that those who slept in a blue bedroom had an average of 7 hours and 52 minutes sleep a night. And you have a blue bedroom. I have a blue and bedroom. And you have nearly 8 hours a night. Yeah, but my husband has about 5. He's oh, a bad maybe it sleeper. Work for him. The next most soothing colour for sleeping is moss green, mm. pale yellow. And no, that's not true. I'm, well, I'm just repeating the statistics. <laughs> and then silver. Weirdly. So I don't know if that's a pale grey restful. Well, it's an American survey. (laughs) (laughs) Purple is the least conducive. And obviously no red because it's really bad for your heart rate and your blood pressure. Yes. Well, you know, we know that red is... poor Arthur. Oh, yeah, but he's got... He has no no problem. No, he's a zonker as well, to be fair. Dark bedroom, light bedroom, where do you stand? Well, I think that, you know, when it comes to decorating your bedroom in terms of making it really conducive to sleeping and relaxing, you've got to really ask yourself how you want to feel. So, you know, a lot of experts would say that the paler colours and the cool colours, so, you know, your pale greens, your pale blues, your pale lilacs, all those really soothing cool colours are really relaxing. They lower the heart rate. But for me, they just... They make your heart rate rise, don't they? <laughs> I think if you had to sleep in a pale, cool oh, grey bedroom, gosh. I think your blood pressure you... might rise. Well, yeah, or for it, might everyone dro- else. it might drop off a cliff and I actually just <laughs> never quite come round again. I think aside from colour, which, you know, we've sort of established is quite personal. I think there are some design rules and tips to help you create a room that's really relaxing. So I think first of all, declutter piles of laundry, dirty washing, shoes on the floor, piles of paperback books. We've already told you you're not allowed to have your phone or any digital equipment in the room. Just declutter the space so it feels calm and you're not distracted by things. Well, and the key as well is keep work stuff out of there if you can. And obviously some people don't have much space and they might have to use a corner of the bedroom to work. But I think it's very important psychologically if you can screen it off or put it in a drawer or in a box even with a lid on it, but just (laughs) so that you're not 
looking at something which makes you think work or before you, you go anxious. to sleep. Exactly, yeah, because yeah, then yeah. your brain starts spiralling and you can't sleep. And I think with that sort of decluttering concept in mind, the way you decorate, so I think about using quite a subtle wallpaper or paint on the walls that I actually can see from the bed and then have an incredible mural or feature wall or really heavily patterned headboard, for example, so I can get my colour and my pattern in there, but I don't have to look at it while I'm trying to relax in bed. And then I think the other thing is it's all about how you want to feel like sleeping is a real tactile experience so you have really lovely plush rugs on the floor I remember once staying in a hotel and they put really thick sheepskin rugs next to the bed so literally when you got out in the morning your bare toes sunk into that really soft texture you know beautiful sheets and things that feel good for example I've got some really lovely linen sheets which I like the feel of but it is quite rough and my husband can't bear them so we can't have them yeah. yeah so it's just again it's a personal thing but get those textures that you really like we've got cotton I like cotton to sleep in because mm. it's nice and you, you can either have sort of a crisp cotton or a sort of softer and you don't get too hot cotton. do you no I don't think so but I mean I've got I've had the 13 tog duvet on all, all year have you oh my <laughs> gosh you I love queen. a really big feathery duvet oh we've had yes. such a warm we've had some really warm nights well, I might kick it off you at might, that you point. You might let your feet poke out. Well, of a, I just seem to remember we do wave. have a summer duvet, but as soon as I put it on the bed, it starts raining. So, I mean, it's a bit psychological. <laughs> I've just got to stay under the 13 dog and sweat for the good of the country. <laughs> i tell you what is important. Yeah. What is important is, so you can have the decor and you can have all your rituals. You've got to have the right mattress. And okay. we go and stay in my mother-in-law's flat in Italy and she's a big believer in a firm mattress as in a piece of toast oh my god it's so uncomfortable yeah and we went actually the mattress I think you've said this before is your mattress the most expensive thing in your house yeah it is yeah we spent a lot of money on the mattress and actually we went to our sponsors John Lewis and went in there and just did the whole lying down on all the mattresses and trying them. First tip, try out yeah. your mattress. Like all these mattress delivery in a box, whatever mattresses. I mean, can't be right. No. Sofas and mattresses, you have you to try to before you buy. And the, the So there you are. Sorry, I'm picturing this. In John Lewis, yeah. sauntering around, happy couple, jingly jangly music in the background lying on loads of beds no but we had the boys with us and they were quite small so it was also lying on the mattress jingly jangly music and then handing biscuits to small children going shut up we're just going to lie here for a minute take your shoes off go away take your shoes off no not that bed we're not testing it for bouncing wasn't very relaxing but what I was surprised to learn which I think really has held true for us because we just assumed we should have a firm mattress because it would be better for us Mm. and you shouldn't have something too soft And the advisor in John Lewis said that it's about lying on your side and working out that your spine from your neck all the way down is completely straight. Well, you have to look at you have to look at the person. Oh, okay. And what we realised when we lay on a hard mattress, and it was the first time in my life I've ever been told that I'm not heavy enough. It was very that's why I bought it. No, she said, because if you have a very firm mattress, you need a bit of give. And if it's very firm and you might not be heavy enough, then it will push your hip back up up because you're not sinking into it. And in order to have your spine in a straight line, your shoulder and your hips do need need to to sink sink into it a bit. And size-wise, I mean, obviously it's bedroom dependent, you should be able to lie on your back with your arms behind your head and not touch the person next to you. Wow, that that definitely doesn't happen in 
house, as I think I've already shared. We have well, we have an emperor size bed, which is six is foot. That massive. Yeah, that's absolutely obscene. It's like incredible. And really it was my husband's idea because as I've shared, he's a terrible sleeper. And if I so much as cough or roll over, that's him bolt upright. Oh, right, right. <laughs> so stressful. It is really stressful sharing a bedroom with a light sleeper. It's horrendous. Like I'm forever tiptoeing. Like if I have a cough, I have to like get my mouth under my pajamas, under the duvet, under the pillows and go. <coughs> and it still wakes him up. Anyway, what I would say is Honestly, invest in the biggest bed you can fit and afford. I mean, we're lucky that actually our bedroom is quite large, so we can take this really huge bed. But it's lovely. Like, I don't even see him. It's just, <laughs> it's like, and that's why I married him. Hello over there. <laughs> We've got a standard king size and it's right. fine. But I also read, can't quote this one as a stat because it's something I just remember reading, but on a normal double size for average height adults, they get about as much room as a baby in a cot. So yeah, okay, so try before you buy, get some expert advice, go for as big as you can fit in and afford. Any other tips around mattresses? I mean, you picked up something. I remember you said something really interesting recently about um, recycling old matches, like what happens to them? After well, I think you them. need to be really careful that they're not just ending up in landfill because they take up, I think, 23 cubic feet of space mm. and they can be there for 10 years. Oh my goodness. So I think when you're buying a new mattress, you really need to look into how you get rid of the old one or what the company you're buying from will do with an old mattress. Well, for example, I know that John Lewis, who've got their natural collection, their mattresses are completely chemical-free, and glueless, which basically means it can be recycled at the end of its life. Um, and I think current advice is you need a new mattress every seven years now. So we've really got to pay attention to how you're getting rid of the old one because that's quite a high turnover. And I think, you know, last thought is consider what the, you know, we always say in design, what are you doing in the room? What's it used for? And I think bedrooms, they're for sleep and sex, nothing else. Steady on. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> so no tellies, all right. <laughs> Unless you're watching someone sleeping or having sex on it, basically. That's what I said. So, on that note, on that bombshell, <laughs> let us know your sleep-related secrets, just the sleep ones, please, either on Facebook, The Great Indoors Podcast, or more often on Instagram, where I'm mad about the house and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. I still can't get out of my head how hot it is under that 13 and a half dog duvet. It's lovely. God, I'm feeling sweaty. Is that a design crime? Right, still. so, yes, still to come, design crimes and the luscious new design books launching soon. But first, this woman knows all about it. <laughs> Coziness. I do, you know, I love summer and, and holidays and all that not working, but I do like a bit of winter. I like it before December. Right. Uh, January and February. Oh, you've got and terms, have you? I've you've got, got terms. I've got about... terms and conditions <laughs> about the weather I like. At this time of year, in the run-up to Christmas, yeah. I really Happy like days. lighting the fire, getting cosy, well, I love autumn, busting out a jumper, Ooh, yes. nice pair of slippers. January, I'm a bit like, I'm over it now. Yes, Bring can we me move it sun. along? Yeah. But this time of year, I quite like it. No, I'm in agreement. And I think it's, you know, I love autumn as a season, and as you say, early winter, and it should be really embraced. So how do we do it in our own homes? How do we get that cosy vibe? Do you know what really, I'm really excited about? Are you going to say soup? I no, soup. <laughs> we just had 
just made My husband always gets really excited about winter soup. Does he? Yeah, he likes soup. Does he make the soup? Yeah. Well, there you go. You can't complain, can you? Mm. I like getting the slow cooker out, have to be said. I do like, when I can be organised enough, popping a load of ingredients in a pot in the morning before the school run oh, and then having a lovely hearty nice. stew come of evening. Yeah, winter it's like a food free is supper. good. Cosy food, mm. baked potatoes. Yeah, pub Sunday roast, we can start bringing them back as well. Have they gone? No more barbecue. Well, we all, we're all barbecue oh, and salads, no aren't we, all summer? And then all the Sunday roasts come back in. There is something lovely about the nights coming in and being able to come in and light the fire yeah. and have, depending on the time of day or your age, a cup of hot chocolate or a glass of red wine. I've discovered a really nice Himalayan salt raw cacao hot chocolate drink. It's by, I think, a company called Noble. It costs, I don't even know how to respond to it that. Costs an, it costs the same money as like a Gucci handbag. It's ridiculously expensive for a hot chocolate drink. But it's so, actually, I, I did exaggerate, but it's a lot. But oh my God, it's so worth it. I don't really drink hot chocolate. Do you not? Oh, no. I'll bring my Himalayan salt, raw cacao. It's like a health drink, Kate, basically. Of course it is. Yeah, you get yeah. loads of magnesium in it and justifying it. <laughs> and it's sugar free as well. Oh, they go. I know what to get you for then. Christmas now, don't There I? we go. Yes. <laughs> What I'm really excited about this Christmas is I'm going to really get to try out my underfloor heating that we installed like the night before Christmas last year. Oh, of course and you haven't really used it that well, much. Not, well, not. Also, we're trying to like really cut down on the amount of energy we use. So our latest thing is, is the hot, the underfloor heating works really well downstairs. It's really efficient. I'm super pleased with it. For anyone who's thinking about if you're renovating, it's a over the floor heating system. So we didn't have to dig up any foundations. It's water fed. It's brilliant. It's really efficient. Our bills haven't gone up. Happy days. Upstairs, we've still got the old radiators. And we're going to try not having central heating on upstairs so much. And my secret is the electric blanket. And just having an electric blanket and a really fluffy duvet. It's back to my 13 tog. Well, yeah, I might even have to up your 13 tog. I don't know how cold it's going to get. Well, we don't really have the radiators on in the bedrooms anyway. Well, there you are. I've kind of found it. I like a cold bedroom. Window open, 365 days of the year, no heating. Big duvet. It's a bit tricky in the I morning. Think I think your thermostat's that. completely up there. Why is it up there? Because you have a 13 tog duvet all through the summer. And oh, you mean my personal thermostat? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the one in my house. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on with your body heat regulation? I like, I can't, I can't bear stuffy rooms. No. So always have the window open. Yeah. But be snuggled under a duvet, but feel that it's cold outside around me. Somehow I like that. That's how I sleep. Okay, interesting. I don't, yeah, I husband's less keen, I have to yeah, say. He's, say he's a bit of a fan of a warm bedroom. <laughs> but, you know, it's been 25 years. He's coming round. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to try that out. And interestingly, I've got an electric blanket. My husband doesn't want one. They make him too hot. So you can. I would just put a single one, single electric blanket on my side, which is all warm and toasty. And I think he, some, he does sometimes regret I it. I don't think I've had an electric blanket since I was oh, a child. And I was only ever allowed it when I was sick. I've just got one. They are brilliant. That's quite a good secret. So there you go. Other ways, I think, to... So obviously, you know, um, thinking around heating, you've already touched on... I think a really good idea is a lot of people question whether you can have curtains and radiators together. So well, I know, because radiators are always under the window, aren't they, in traditional always houses? Always under the window. It's such a nightmare. So put a blind with them and get those lowered down while you've got your radiators on. I like a, I like a curtain blind combination. Anyway, I quite like the two well, together. it's more colour and pattern exactly. for you, isn't it? I've just got the blinds, obviously. 
And then lighting. I think lighting really comes in, as you've already said, it's dark in the mornings, it's dark in the evenings. And it's an opportunity to really think about the amount of lights, lamps. Well, you just need more, don't you? You I need think, more, um, yeah. I was saying this the other day, I think we've almost have forgotten that lighting is about what we're doing in a room and what we need to see what we're doing. And it's kind of got distracted by, you know, is that the right colour shade or do I like the base of it? And actually it's not, that should be secondary. Yeah. And I've suddenly realised, so in we're recording this in my library and I've got one overhead light between the two chairs and it's not enough. Mm. It's fine for the summer, but actually in the winter and autumn, I need to bring in an extra table so, lamp so that all the chairs have their own yeah. their own lighting. So I think you need to think about it. You know, it's quite a good time to go around your house and think, right, that might be where I like to curl up with a book mm. or, or my screen, you know, on a winter's evening. Have I got the right light for doing that? Because in the summer I was sitting there gazing at the sunshine outside. And as so we know, if all else fails, around. you can always wear a head torch as you've... Um... so as this is our winter hibernating special we're going to talk about curling up with one of our favorite interior design books there's been some new launches that we want to share I just love curling up with a book. <laughs> I know, it's you're in heaven. All you? I ever want to do is just lie on the sofa and read books. So we've got three treats for three you. Three new titles. First one we're going to discuss is by Pearl Lowe, who we interviewed. We did a house tour. We did. Episode four of series three for anyone who wants to go back and have a listen. And I think she'd actually just finished the photography for this book when we yes, met her. Yes, that's right. And yes. the book is called Faded Glamour. It's a fantastic title. title, isn't it? And it's by Seco Books. And it is basically, I just absolutely loved this book. I think I like the aesthetic of it. I love faded glamour, but I just love the complete, just totally transported me to living in some fabulous country pile surrounded by beautiful textiles, furniture, artwork. I mean, she has tapped up a lot of her very wealthy celebrity it's creative friends. It's a peek friends. into a glamorous world, it isn't is, it? But yeah. she writes about it very well. I mean, these houses, she talks about rambling staircases, billowing curtains of silk, <laughs> panels of lace and swathes of velvet. Yes, that's I a mean, good I'm in. If that isn't yeah. a hibernating book, I don't know what is. Um, but it is fabulous and... She goes to see Susie Forbes' house, who's married to the designer Bill Amberg. And, I mean, it's a slightly different world. Bill thinks nothing of knocking up lunch for 30 and they threw a New Year's Eve party for 100 guests. As you do. <laughs> and one does. But I think that's that really is at the heart of this book. All these houses, yes, they're quite glam and they're very smart and architecturally they're gorgeous, but they're also really knocked about they're very lived in aren't they and And that's i think that's the faded glamour of them and i think they are homes that have some bloody good parties going on and it doesn't really matter nobody you know people can swing from the chandeliers they can dance on the dining room table it's because it's it's all vintage stuff isn't it and i think pearl said that when we met her her design crime actually was new furniture yes i think and she you know she loves old stuff and these houses are they tell fantastic stories because they're collections of furniture that people have inherited, picked up in flea markets, adapted, hunted down. So, you know, it is a, it's a great mix and they sort of have everything from 18th century wooden tables to a bit of sort of 1950s plastic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that it's blending how they've styles. blended it together, mm. which 
is not as easy as it looks. It's a very so British eccentric look, isn't yeah, it? it is. I think it's very much at the heart of... Uh, it's a particular design manifesto, I'd say. But if you look. like that look, this is a sort of inadvertent how-to manual. I mean, it doesn't spell out how to do it because it's just describing it, but there's lots of pictures for inspiration. I mean, for me, it just gave me the massive itch to want to get to a flea market really soon and start rummaging for gorgeous stuff. So I think if anybody who's doing a renovation who's maybe flagging a little bit, I'll put myself in that group. There was something about this book that just really lit me up and got me excited again. And that joy and that spark of going to the car boot sale or going to the flea market, finding those treasures and bringing them back and making your house just look fabulous and joyful. And the, the, they're not all sort of country piles either, are they? I mean, obviously the one I loved was Marianne Cottrell's. Oh, yeah, um, who's, who's the interior stylist. Fantastic interior stylist. got a huge house in London and her chapter, because all the chapters are different sorts of glamour. So there's rustic glamour and bohemian glamour and vintage glamour and Marianne's is urban faded glamour, oh, um, which I love. So... In, I think it's her dining room, she's got a sort of neon green feature wall. Yes, I saw that. There. I like that. But I like that. she's painted, she's got sort of old school radiators either side of it on a, on a white wall or in an alcove. And she's painted those neon green to match the wall. And I love that. I've always said if you've got a fantastic looking radiator, you know, it doesn't have to paint to match the wall to disappear. Never leave them white. Only if it's a standard off the shelf. Paint it in with the wall. But if Paint it in with the wall, but if it's a cool feature one. one, then make it a colour, you know, coordinate it with the cushions or in Marianne's case, coordinate it with the wall. I thought that was fantastic. Next up is the new book by Rocket St George, Extraordinary Interiors in Colour, which, the, I mean, this was a shock when it arrived yes. in the post, I have to say, because obviously they're known for their sort of dark and moody website. They were one of the first people to have a black website to sell all their stuff on and, and they everybody sell a said, lot of don't black do stuff. that. Exactly. So this So that, that just for anyone who doesn't know, Rockets and Georgia, an online website, homewares brand, um, really pioneering in, as Kate said, that very dark, luxy look, lots of black on black and brass and quite a rock and roll ethic isn't it totally. they've got like a real cool edge and I think for they were one of the first online retailers I remember when kind of you got these little boutique brands building yeah. websites they were definitely one of the first and they've just done it so well but yeah they're really known for that dark look so to do a book on colour yeah it's quite a revelation and I think reading I mean they're very upfront about why they've done it they did a paint range for Craig and Rose last year where they put together 18 colours 18 of their signature colours and they said in order to do that they had to do a lot of research on colour how colour works the psychology of colour you know they just got really into the subject of colour and researching it and then they've just done a book about it well and it's actually got lots of information in it so they have sort of taken apart the colour wheel they've explained it um, which obviously you know backwards and forwards and inside out but I think lots of people don't quite know the colour wheel and how things work together so so this is the theory of colour I mean it does yeah it does go into quite a lot of theory actually oh, this isn't just who's that then that's someone coming home from school hello, hello. <laughs> good day yeah, okay cool good um yeah so um 
it's not just a flicker, this book, actually. It's got a lot of technical, scientific, applied theory to help you put your schemes together. A bit of history of colour. There was actually a bit I really liked. Well, there were there several bits I really liked. One of them is they've done some really great colour palettes where they've taken photographs of nature. Mm. So they've got a beach scene and they've taken a blue and the sand colour and the shades of the trees. So they've put together palettes around photographs of nature or different countries. They've got a couple of case studies from Morocco, from Marrakesh hotels in Marrakesh with those very hot pink spicy colours of turmeric and burnt orange. So they're, I mean, it's it's really sumptuous. And then they've done a great thing I love where they've gone through the decades and they've said... Oh, you yeah, know, that was my favourite I love I that. I love that bit. This was the music we were listening to. This is what was on the telly and this was the look of the day. The and trends got, through time. Yeah, I thought that was oh, absolutely yeah. fabulous, yeah, yeah, yeah. that page. Yeah, it was really nice to look through, wasn't it? Because obviously, as ladies of a certain age, we can remember a few of these Yes, decades. I was there for most <laughs> yeah, of them, we <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was brilliant. And just a recap on, on what the interior design trends were, what the colour trends were. Yeah, it was great, that. Yeah, sumptuous. so it's kind of like a double win-win. Sumptuous photography, beautiful rooms, but some really useful applied processes on how you can put a colourful scheme together yourself. And they've said as well, which is one for you, Sophie, colour is the new black. Oh, I always knew that. I think I might have even told them that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So our last book is really hot off the press. It's uh, come from America, but it is for sale in the UK on Amazon. It's called My Creative Space, and it's by Donald Ratner, who background is in architecture and residential design. But this book is very much a scientific study in the impact of the physical environment on your creativity and innovation and practical ways to apply techniques in your own home, regardless of your profession. Now, I know Kate and I, we both work in the creative industries. We both work at home. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners either are working from home or are working as a creatives or might even just have a creative hobby. So I thought this would be a really interesting topic to dive into. I mean, the book is quite weighty. It's very text heavy. We've literally, it, it just came in yesterday. So we haven't read the We've whole thing. We've done a bit of speed cover. reading. But... We've done a bit of speed reading, but there's some great sort of headliners. Well, do you know, this, it, it starts with a beautiful quote from T.S. Eliot and it just says, home is where one starts from. And I love, I just think that's brilliant. But what I think to sum it up, what he's saying is that this is the first book to explore the domestic environment as a catalyst for creativity in that there's masses of books where home is the object of the creativity, i.e. interior design books and how to do it and how to decorate your home. And there are lots of books which focus on a creative activity you might do in your home, such as cooking and painting and reading. But this is about how you can use your home as a stimulus to be more creative. And although some of the things which he sort of rattles through, such as, uh, I'm now flicking through my own notebook, 
Um, you know, have a connection to nature, work in natural light, make sure you've got the right lighting. High ceilings, apparently great oh, for creativity. I thought that was really but, interesting. Ten foot, apparently, you need. I've yeah, got, which I've we got, can't all have. But what he does... I definitely does, I'm really stressed now. Is he... <laughs> he <laughs> ceilings. Right, we need to move house, darling. But you didn't read I'm to the end of the chapter. <laughs> right, what, what, what okay. he does is... So he goes through those things which might seem quite obvious, art, nature, light, and so on and so forth. But they're all backed up with scientific studies as to why they work. And then if you get a bit further into it, so there's the scientific explainer, why do you need to do it? Why does it work? And then how you can do it. So he comes up with tips you can use to make your ceiling seem higher, which might be with paint. So that's obviously, that's really interesting. So because he's an interior designer and he's brought all this scientific research, he's kind of like join the two together yeah so we've got the facts and then what we can do how you can apply that so there's one well there are so many but just flicking through my notes he says you need to create a creative space make a space in your home where you will go and sit perhaps every day and try and have a bit of space to think creatively he says it's a bit like Pavlov's dog if you repeat the experiment often enough you will start to think that way so give yourself that designated space may not have a whole room but maybe it's just a chair where you will sit and then try and surround yourself perhaps by mementos they did a study in America where students who were asked to think back over times in their life and summon up memories were much better at creative writing than those who just went in cold and were told to write something creatively mm. so that's a sort of stimulus to you know getting your memory going there are other little rituals he talked about as well one was dress nicely i love that but i've For all always... of us who work from home and do it like me and my yoga pants and a sweatshirt but do you know i never slippers. have i have never worked up? in my pajamas and i've always put my makeup on every morning and part of me even if you're not going slightly out. told myself off for being a bit vain but it's the only way because i've spent 20 years working at the kitchen table i have to be dressed i have to have my shoes on and i have to have some mascara on because otherwise i can't do it it doesn't put you in the right headspace no so actually, Brilliant. that's one that I've kind of done instinctively. There's another one if you uh, have meetings, the importance of the round table. And oh, we all yes, know about King Arthur and the round that. table. Yeah. But he talks about um, if you have a round table, you all sit equally and you toss ideas into the collective basket in the middle, whereas a grid seating is very hierarchical. Mm. If you think about a classroom with the teacher at the top and all the desks arranged in front of it. The, the other one I really loved was the, the truth about the light bulb moment. The light bulb as a, an idea first appeared in Disney over Goofy's head in 1942 when he has that, because it's shorthand for an idea, isn't it? The light bulb yeah, 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 yeah. in cartoons. Um, and they've looked at this and discovered that actually there is some truth to the sort of, well, they talk about the light bulb moment, the flash of brilliance. Mm. They've found that if you look at a naked filament bulb, let me get this right, They've scientists found that looking at a naked bulb before doing a creative task, those who did that outperformed those who didn't. Ooh. And that's a filament bulb, like an old-fashioned bulb, that's as opposed hack. to those who looked at a um, fluorescent bulb, were so, less creative. Well, here's, an, here's another one to... M- which I don't know whether this goes up against this, but he says, dim the lights. It seems counterintuitive, but it's often more effective to brainstorm in subdued rather than bright light. That's because your mind is more likely to wander into uncharted territory when your physical surroundings are too indistinct to focus on them. There's another one you might like to. <laughs> Alcohol and caffeine oh, do yeah. give you a creative jolt. Oh. As Ernest Hemingway said, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> 
that, isn't it? But following on from that, because obviously if you've had too much of a creative jolt from the alcohol, you might need to lie down. They've also discovered, I keep saying they, these are studies that have been done in America and I didn't write down the length in the person of each study, but they're all based on science. Um, people solve creative problems 10% faster when they're lying down than when they're standing. <laughs> So we laugh, but it's it's so interesting that it's all been sort of backed up by science. So obviously the book is absolutely crammed with loads of water cooler stats and anecdotes. It's brilliant. But in terms of like just gleaning a few interior design ideas on how you can make your creative space at home work, one that popped up for me that I particularly gleefully loved was um, the idea that the Marie Kondo method of keeping your home really meticulously tidy. And, you know, we're always told that you've got to declutter your space in order to think straight. And I think there's an element of truth in that. But he says, according to the research, the full condo effect might actually hinder creative output. Yes. Um, I know. I know. It's so <laughs> delicious. And he says, the reason is that creativity is a messy process. And you're obviously you're quite often zigging and zagging and zigging again before you get that aha moment. Oh, I'm all over the so zig and the zag. So too orderly an environment can actually squelch the impulse to think freely. That's so interesting, isn't it? And we were coming back again to the things you should have in your space, natural light and clever lighting and so on, and then high ceilings. You said you were getting stressed about your low ceilings. ceilings. Um, So what he talks about is he back up the science as to why it works and then give you some ideas. So he says, for example, use wallpaper with a vertical design to take your eye up, have tall plants. And long curtains, again, yeah. and hang them high above to the windows. To elongate so the walls. Anything you can do to make your walls look taller and therefore take your ceiling up, you'll find it works better. And oh, well, I'm still going to tell the husband I need an extension. Can I not do that? Or oh, a oh, garden office. I'd love a garden studio. That'd be oh, yeah. Well, that space. would tick all your boxes, wouldn't it? Nature, natural light, clever yeah, lighting. And I've actually make got sure my you put a round table in it. Round table, facing the window, facing the view. Don't have your, apparently, again, positioning your desk so you're just looking at a blank wall is a really bad bad idea and he does also encourage you to have artwork artifacts knickknackery things that you find visually pleasing and stimulating in your space so you know the concept of being in a white box in order to do your best ideas he completely blows out the water which I'm pleased about because I have just as decorated my home office white thinking that I needed a blank canvas you did and it was very oh, unlike you and you know what it doesn't work for it you. doesn't work I was for me. really surprised when you did it anxious. yeah it's... I said to you paint the ceiling green and you were like no I don't want I just it want green this white space where yes. I can think straight it's not working for me no, at all. and now I know why It's interesting, isn't it? It's so true. And he talks as well about, you know, how a lot of, obviously more and more of us work from home now, so it's even more crucial that we get the environment right. And he says, you know, don't forget people, you know, creative authors like Darwin, Picasso, Hemingway all worked at home. But also, you know, Apple, Amazon, Etsy, YouTube were all born effectively around kitchen tables in domestic environments. So, you know... the best ideas happen. There you go. So our Facebook group has been a great place for people to share their design crimes. And one jumped out for me. It's from Rooms of Colour. And she's got a particular problem with curtains that are so long that they puddle on the floor. You know when you get that kind of lump of fabric? Well, I don't think it's supposed to be a lump, is it? I'm taking issue with the word lump. (laughs) (laughs) Is it supposed to be an an elegant swathe? It's a puddle. She doesn't like They're it. She thinks puddles, it's lazy. She should have cut them off. Does she say what the right length is? No, she doesn't consider why she finds them so offensive. I mean, for me, I don't mind a puddle. 
actually. I don't mind a puddle, but I think it has to be in the right context. And usually I do feel like you need tall windows and quite an elegant house to have a cuddling curtain. There's a fine line, isn't there, between a curtain that looks like you couldn't quite be bothered to cut it off and hem it. (laughs) (laughs) And one that is creating a beautiful fortuny silk swathe down to a fabulous parquet herringbone floor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the fabric you have it in as well, it probably does need to be a really fine velvet or a damask or something that feels or opulent. even a floral not sure it works in stripes because you're just breaking the stripe up oh you don't oh no no oh, no i don't no. i wouldn't mind a stripe have you got stripy puddles <laughs> <laughs> well I, there are no puddles in my house i don't have the tall elegant ceilings but also they get a bit dusty and grubby don't they if you've got dogs and kids and stuff yeah true. so there's a practical element too there often is to a design crime i think there's often a practical reason why people don't like things or a hygiene issue yes exactly. <laughs> carpet in the bathroom we haven't even gone there oh my gosh next tune in for that next time (laughs) right so in summary and our winter hibernating special we spoke about first and foremost the importance of getting a good mattress to help you sleep properly and take advice on that and then when it comes to this time of year don't fight it embrace it Get the lighting right, get some really nice textures in, glass of good red wine and some good books of which we looked at three new releases, the new Pearl Low Faded Glamour for an insight slightly into another world, but it's a very beautiful one. The new book by Rocket St George talking about colour is the new black, lots of ideas on colour palettes and colour through the ages. And finally, the Donald Ratner book, which looks at the science behind making a creative home. And that really is a fascinating book that you might find time to read on those long, dark winter evenings. As usual, there will be lots of pretty pictures and links to everything we've discussed over on the blogs, madaboutthehouse.com and sophierobinson.co.uk. And while you're online, can we just suggest you pop along to your podcast app and leave us a sparkling review? We are eternally grateful and it does mean we can keep making the show. Thank you to our fabulous sponsors, John Lewis, to our fabulous producer, Kate Taylor, and most importantly to you, our fabulous listeners. We'll see you in the great indoors. Okay, well, so I was a Robinson. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs>